Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Alex McLaren. I'm an actor and I've worked as a communications coach since 2002. Now so much business is being conducted remotely, the ways in which we talk, present, build relationships and connect is changing. In this podcast, I want to explore all those issues and prove to you that no matter who you are, you can talk to anyone. Hello and welcome to You Can Talk to Anyone, the podcast in which we open the bonnet on our communications engine. I'm Alex. And I'm Tom. And in the run-up to the holidays, we thought we'd talk about an issue which is going to be very important to all of you in the next fortnight. It's about families. And we're interested in this question of how do families affect the way we talk to people and what does it mean for our working lives as well as for our lives away from work. So, you and I have rather different families, Alex. Yes, we do. So let's uh, let's get started. Um, uh, do you want to go first or shall I? Well, I was just thinking, you know, it's often said that when you're growing up, you accept all of your family's eccentricities as normal because you yeah. don't know any better. <laughs> uh, so it was only when I'd been at school a number of years and had been back to a number of different friends' houses that I realised in several quite significant ways, my family was the unusual one. Uh, for example, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, Alex, but mm. sometimes when families get together and interact, laughter ensues. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever sat down with the whole of your family together. Um, but uh, I can imagine that being quite difficult for someone with your sense of humour. There were occasionally you know, smiles or nods of appreciation for a particularly elegant bit of wordplay. <laughs> But teasing and being playful with each other is just not the kind of people that my parents are. Oh, God, it's so important. And that thing about teasing really strikes me as well, because um, that is something that we do have in common. It was quite difficult to tease. Well, actually, no, I've got three brothers, and we obviously we ripped into each other a lot. But we didn't really tease my parents until we were adults. When we realised, <laughs> when we, I think when we realised how um, how healthy teasing can be and how absent it had been before, although it is something that I do with tremendous tentativeness around my mother, and I know that we're on a really good day when we can tease my mum and make her cry with laughter, but it's quite, <laughs> a, it's quite a rare occasion. I think that, that point you're making about um, what's, it's normal in our own family circumstances when we're small is really important because that's where we learn a huge amount of stuff about, uh, oh, these are the rules of the game. And we don't realise how local those games can be until we actually venture outside those family circumstances into uh, communication rules elsewhere. I remember, uh, you know, the, the, do you remember those moments when you suddenly notice the way another child is relating to their parent and you realize how you could not do that mm, with your yes. own parents and uh, and sometimes you can be um actually relieved that you, you don't relate that way and then sometimes you can be jealous i remember um, seeing a kid i knew 
when we were at secondary school. But his father had been a teacher of mine at primary school. And so seeing somebody in a family role as opposed to a sort of a formal school authority role was very different because they would tease him in a way that we hadn't uh, we hadn't been able to tease him as uh, school children. Yeah, you don't have permission to do that. You don't have those permissions at all. So a um, family is a sort of unit where there is an unspoken set of rules that everybody <laughs> just knows. And I think the most treacherous situation is to be the one coming into that unit from the outside. So if you've got a relatively new partner, for example, you may have decided to spend Christmas with your partner's family. Mm-hmm. And you will discover that there are all sorts of traditions and just ways of being, which everyone else knows, and so therefore no one's going to think to sit you down and explain them to you, but you can very, very easily put your foot in it. I think possibly I've been a little bit too careful. I think I was very clear that my, so my missus's family is very different from mine, much quieter. The curtains were always closed. <laughs> um, and as a consequence, uh, for her, she's always been very reluctant to go back there for Christmas. But we've been pushed into doing it much more often lately to get together with her family out of duty because they're simply so much more elderly than my parents and more vulnerable. And so we feel that duty more more, more seriously. Um, but I do remember one tremendous family occasion where we were all sitting together and my late father-in-law was making some grandiose speech and we realised my son had run off. And when we went to get him, he was in the other room. And when we asked him, he was, must have been about three and a half or four, we said, what, what's, what's happening, Frank? Um, and he said... I don't want to be in the room where people aren't having fun. Um, And I genuinely think that if we'd explained this to my in-laws, they would have been absolutely mortified because the other thing about being a newcomer coming into a a family situation is that it's actually at that point that you can sometimes see your own family from the perspective of somebody who mm. isn't hasn't been completely indoctrinated into the way we do things here for good or for ill. And so I think those those interactions between one family set of circumstances and another family set of circumstances uh, can be extremely healthy, if sometimes somewhat jolting. And something similar happens in the world of work, doesn't it? If you are sent to someone else's office, and that could be a brief visit because you're just there to have a meeting or deliver a pitch or something like that. Or it can be because you're some sort of consultant and you're now being embedded within another organization. And again, you have to learn their culture and their rules. And I think one of the dangers here is that uncertain how we're going to be received, Mm. we sort of put forward uh, a bland middle of the road version of ourselves with all the edges sanded off. And it's so difficult actually to build relationships from that base. It is. I think there's something which is, I mean, we, we were, we've worked together for years. Um, and so uh, being inside very large organizations is something I've only ever done as a visitor. So I've only ever joined the family for lunch or supper. Mm. But people within those organizations will sometimes confide in outsiders about their feelings about the culture. Um, they can be incredibly strong. People who have been part of an organisation for most of their working life will will find it very difficult to change the way they communicate because that's not the way we do things here. Whereas sometimes sideways hires who come into an organisation, it seems to me that there are two ways that they deal with it. One is people keep their mouth shut, try to figure out what the rules are and function like they've been there all along. (laughs) Um, And that I've seen be incredibly stressful for many people, particularly those people who are quite entrepreneurial in tone and they want to generate and innovate uh, and make things change. 
And then the alternative point of view is people who come in and one way or another, they feel they have the confidence or sometimes the explicit permission to actually shake things up. And this can sometimes be the case that somebody is hired in order to jolt the culture in order to change things. And so it can be a, it'll be a tremendous disappointment, however threatening the organization finds it, if they actually learned the rules of this organization and joined the family in the way that perhaps they imagined they'd be welcome to do so. Yeah, they've been sent to pull people out of the quicksand, yes. but they end up just being drawn down into the morass <laughs> along with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's quite good. a... Tricky situation, I think, Mm. to come in and say, everything's going to be different now. Mm. And this family unit, which you've established, looks to me to be less than optimal or even looks to be toxic. Mm. And I'm not going to change it. But that toxicity can be reassuring simply because it's familiar. Familiar, Uh, And so now you're the person coming in going, everything you knew is wrong and (laughs) I'm going to change it all. And to do that benevolently Mm. is genuinely difficult. But it comes back to some principles I think we've talked about a Mm. lot in the past And so if you're able to express yourself with clarity and with a certain amount of status, but you're not trying to take that status away from anyone else, Mm. then I think you at least have a chance of being listened to. Yeah, I was just thinking about the position that people sometimes take when they're talking to me when I'm visiting and talking about the way people communicate and giving people permission and confidence to do things in a new way. Um, And I often will come back to the the metaphorical um, family, because we learn how to communicate from our mums and dads and our carers and our brothers and sisters. That's where a lot of the the patterns get learned and where a lot of the habits get formed. Um, And and very often the idea of a family is used as a a kind of a a metaphor. You know, we talk about the father and the mother of the nation, you know, for government. Um, And so uh, not only is it in our patterns of behavior, but also in our language that we talk about things as if they're a family when perhaps they're not, or or are they? And I'm interested in what you think about this, that, that people will sometimes say to me, you know, to think about this pitch as if it's a hospitality situation that you're welcoming someone round to your house and into the family for an interaction or as if you're visiting somebody else's family for a moment that well it's not that no 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 this is a business meeting um and we have uh, we, we we mustn't think of it like that when I, we talk about um the way we engage with our colleagues you know sometimes you're gonna have to be a big sister figure here sometimes you have to you know you have to allow them uh, the permission to be a tough guy because they're, they're, they've been here longer than you. So it's like your big brother. Um, people sometimes tell me that they don't necessarily connect with those uh, that, that way of looking at things. And I'm wondering what, what you think about this, that um, is there a way in which we think about families um, that is not useful at work? And I'm thinking maybe about boundaries possibly or something. Maybe that's what they're getting at. Yes, I think something I've said in the past is a little informality goes a long way. Mm. Just as it would be a mistake, I think, to go into a situation such as this where you're going to be there for a short while, but you're hoping this is going to be the beginning of a longer relationship, such as delivering a new business pitch. It's tempting to want to go in and not make any overt choices and just be this sort of bland, middle-of-the-road version of yourself. And if your pitch is good enough, that might be successful, but the getting to know you bit is going to have to start after that because Mm -hmm. nothing of you has walked into that room. An empty suit (laughs) has walked into that room, okay? But equally, 
when you're really at home with people, when you really do feel like family, you do all sorts of things that would be quite inappropriate. Yes. Uh, you can't come in in your underpants, uh, <laughs> crack open a, a can of beer, and then fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> so a little informality goes a very long way. If you can put just 5 or 10% of your genuine personality on display and have one little joke where you just experiment with a little status raise or lower here or there, or just a, a tiny little off-the-cuff remark, any kind of little hint of colour, mm. you'll start getting a, a sense back very quickly, this is welcome, mm. or gracious no, dear boy, we don't behave like that here. <laughs> it's and you can modulate as a result. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Absolutely. And in fact, sometimes it's happened um, uh, almost, sometimes those changes, as positive as they are, have happened almost by accident. I'm thinking particularly in the last 18 months, what you're saying about don't show up in your underpants. <laughs> you haven't we, actually had a client show up in their underpants. Well, for all I know, I've been on a Zoom call with somebody. Oh, of course, who, yes. And in, in, in the last year, there's been this real, um, almost enforced shattering of boundaries between the sort of the domestic life we lead with our own family circumstances. So many, I mean, I just remember particularly early on, just this wonderful period where all the children were at home, of course. <laughs> and so I used to just keep a tally of children appearing in very important <laughs> work meetings. And, uh, and I was always impressed that I don't think on a single occasion, possibly it was to do with the nature of the meetings I was attending on Zoom. I never felt that people weren't delighted to have family life break into the business circumstances. People have been wearing the kind of clothes they wear around their loved ones rather than around their colleagues. And so we have seen a side of the family person that we have never seen before, I think, in most people's cases. And I think most of the people I'd be working with have seen that as a positive. What's been your experience there? Yes, I think that's true. I think on the whole it has been a positive, but I think there is also a certain anxiety. Mm. I think if you are on a Zoom call and you're feeling as if that once rock-solid boundary between work life and domestic life has become noticeably more porous, <laughs> then that can create alarm because yes. you don't know if in the next 30 seconds there will be a naked child charging through the shot or a dog going berserk yeah. or the washing machine will explode or your partner in another room will start getting into a full and frank exchange of views <laughs> on their own Zoom call very much within earshot. Yes. Uh, and so you're suddenly having in your private domestic space people you work with. Mm. Yeah. And you would have to work with somebody, I think, typically for a very long time before you said... Uh, shall we carry this on in my front room? Yes. So I think it is partly a trend that was ongoing anyway. I mean, if I just think about the way 
men dress. Yes. When I started doing this kind of work, if I went to somewhere like a law firm or even an advertising agency, certainly anything in the financial sector, most of the men would be wearing shirts and ties and suits. Mm -hmm. And then after I've been doing this for a while, once or twice, I found, as I looked around the room, I was the only man Mm -hmm. wearing a tie. And if I turned up in a tie today, I am pretty sure almost no matter what the environment, I would be the only person wearing a tie. And if there was somebody wearing a tie, it would almost certainly be somebody older than me. Yes. Yeah. Occasionally you see very, very young, sort of eager men <laughs> yeah. uh, wearing ties. ties. Yeah. yeah. But it's really unusual. And I wouldn't be surprised to see something much more like jeans and a jacket becoming much more commonplace, even in places like law firms, which typically would always mm. have been suits. Yeah. It's funny. There's, I think there's, for me, there's been one dimension of my client base where that bleed existed beforehand. And weirdly, it was among very, very senior people. So when I, w- I remember doing some work with a, a bunch of C-suite people talking about the kind of networks they wanted to build. Um, and they were simply talking, about, particularly international groups, when they were spending time away from their families, when they actually really did dig themselves in mm. with the personal lives of the of the bosses that they were wanting to work with. It was almost more like, um, I mean, historically, it's terrifying that you'd uh, you'd actually hand over children to the opposite side um, for them to raise. There are kind of there are gangster movies yes, about yeah. this issue in the, in which in order to build a strong alliance, we actually gave sort of genetic hostages to each other. Um, and so it feels like on a certain level it might relate to that. Um, and so I feel in the last eighteen months we've all slightly moved into that uh, that world a little bit, um, and we're beginning to find different sorts of uh, relationships with each other, which uh, allow for a bit more of the I think the vulnerability in the humanity that we have tended to reserve for our family lives. I remember once about kind of, uh, well, probably about 15 years ago, and I was doing some work with, uh, it was a consultancy firm, and I remember talking to this woman, and she said that for her, success in life was going to be when her work persona and her home and family persona were indivisible that mm. they were exactly the same so the inflation was clearly that they were she was very different when she wasn't around her family and, and I said well what what is the difference and she said that she felt that at home she was somewhat more compassionate and that was interesting to me um, I think in some families it can be the other way around yes. at home they have permission to be absolutely ruthless in a way that they don't have at work but I think that ruthlessness depends on a kind of um on a mutual understanding of real loyalty. And I'm just wondering whether there are expectations within our actual her domestic families that actually would never have the same sort of feel at work. And I wondered what you thought about family firms. Well, we use that phrase, don't we? We talk about families, but I think to a greater or lesser extent, it's a little bit of corporate storytelling. Yes. It's somewhat of a fiction. And I think the key difference is you can't be fired from your family, (laughs) except in very specific situations. So that kind of loyalty Mm. is actually relatively easy to engender, provided you don't expect it to last. Mm. You know, Mm. we can go and run a, not that we'd really do this kind of thing, but if you go and run a team building event and you arbitrarily divide a group of people into the red team and the blue team, the red team and the blue team will be fiercely loyal within their teams. (laughs) But then as soon as the game is over, or certainly within 24 hours, all of those loyalties and all of those enmities will be entirely forgotten about. 
And as actors, mm. we've both had the experience of joining a company. Yes. That's what they call a group of performers, and not just performers, but also stage yes. managers or camera operators, like the whole team, depending on, you know, technical people. Yeah. Stage, film, whatever. And that becomes a unit. It becomes a family unit that's devoted to yes. each other. And sometimes you make mm. friends for life, but not every time. Mm. Sometimes the people that you are pouring your heart out to are people that when that project comes to an end, you will literally never see again for the Absolutely. rest of your life. Yes, completely. There's a great film by Francois Truffaut called La Nuit Américaine, which is about the assembly of a film crew into this very, very tight, very intimate family unit, which lasts only for the duration of the shoot. And the moment at the end of it, when everybody gets in their cars incredibly quickly, people waving at each other at a distance saying, see you in Paris, and then it evaporates um, and they're never going to see each other again. It's, uh, and and that, that tightness is really interesting in temporary family um, spirit um, in show business. And I, I wonder, and I want to kind of tentatively go into this as well, this links to the kind of the dark side of families as well. People are terrified of strangers, but you're much more likely to be abused within your family. Okay, um, and I think sometimes the loyalty expectation that is connected to that family narrative within organisations can sometimes be unhealthy. Yes, your loved ones, the ones closest to you, who know you the best, therefore also know exactly where your weaknesses are. <laughs> they know how to and, wind you up, and they know how to, to torture hurt you, you and exactly. To you. Yeah. yeah, so these kind of overly close family units can have issues, uh, and then you end up. This is possibly a topic for another podcast. Mm. You end up in the area of workplace flings, <laughs> which can sometimes bust up existing uh, families. Mm. So I, I think the thing to bear in mind is that what we think about as this family unit can often feel mm. much realer than in fact it is and can feel much more permanent. We can't imagine when we're in the midst of these feelings that life could be different in mm. any way. Mm. But experience teaches us that actually these can evaporate very quickly. So from the point of view of somebody who's hoping for the success of the project or the yes. success of the company, engendering this feeling is very, very helpful. Mm. But it shouldn't be confused with what happens in a real family, mm. which is for life. Yes, uh, I think also there's something important about your own experience of families, everybody listening to this, is that people sometimes appeal to family feeling as if it is something not just sort of permanent, but eternal. Whereas the reality is that uh, in a healthy family, it does actually change. A toddler becomes a school child. A school child becomes a teenager. Teenagers start to form their own very, very strong social groups, which begin to be more important to them in the immediate term than their family relationships. They then will possibly go off and form new relationships and start building families of their own. They will then have a new alliance with a completely different family. Um, they'll then start establishing their own identity as this is my family. And then there's those other families in the history. And it, so it keeps on mutating and changing. Um, and you have to give yourself permission to change families in order to keep the whole idea of it alive. Otherwise, you can get stuck in a pattern that people tell you must never change, which in my experience tends to absolutely kill relationships. And I think this is true at work as well, um, that, um, that however uh, fixed and immutable the patterns and dynamics of the way you're relating to your colleagues, your peers, your bosses, if you, uh, if you accept that there's something permanent about it and there's nothing you can do about it, it will begin to start to have its problems for the way you're engaging with others. You've got to give yourself permission to be flexible and try out different ways of engaging and risk it. 
Are we going to give our listeners the gift of homework in this holiday season, or do they get time off for good behaviour? <laughs> they get time off for Christmas. Um, although, um, if you, you will be spending time with people who have known you very well for a very long time, uh, some of you for the first time in actually a number of years after last Christmas's cancelled one in the UK. And so um, maybe this could be a time gently and tactfully, if needed, to try and reset some expectations. If yeah. you do feel as if going back home to your family means you're infantilized, you're not given the respect that you would ideally like, see what you can do to have an open conversation about that and really, really listen to what the other person is telling you about how they're feeling and see if you can therefore open the door to them making changes and how they relate to you. But maybe do that on Boxing Day <laughs> um, with a sandwich. Um, uh, we'll include a recipe for the sandwich in the show notes. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. I'm Alex. Um, we deliver a training days to people um, in business, in person or via Zoom, on all of the topics we're covering in these podcasts. We do client meetings, better negotiations. We do lots of work on presentation, storytelling, networking, and more. If you want to discuss what your company's needs are, send an email to info at the-spontaneity-shop.com or give the Spontaneity Shop a call on 20 4080 and we'd love to hear from listeners as well if you've tried out any of the things we've been talking about if you've got some family horror stories you want to share or some stories of great success that came about because you were able to create that family feeling and have everyone pulling in the same direction then do let us know you can send us an email podcast at the hyphen spontaneity hyphen shop.com or you can record your thoughts in the form of a voice message and send it over to us and we might play it on a future show Until next time, I'm Alex. And I'm Tom. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. You have been listening to You Can Talk to Anyone with Alex McLaren and Tom Selinski. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. You Can Talk to Anyone is distributed exclusively by Acast. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.